Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. This podcast is available in all the podcast apps. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, so you can get an alert every time I post a new episode. Please rate me as well. It helps others discover this podcast. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah? That's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. I hope you're keeping well and taking care of yourself. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Ohoko. And when I'm not doing my day job, I facilitate Search Inside Yourself at Google. Today's quote is from Socrates. The unexamined life is not worth living. End of quote. I invite you, as is our practice, to take a moment to fully arrive and settle down. Fully arriving is about coming to stillness. Tuning in to the present moment. It's about allowing your breath to transition you from what you are doing to this present moment. This allows you to become still and check in on how you're feeling. So let's begin. Breathing in through your nose. Breathing out through your nose. Breathing in through your nose. Breathing out through your nose. Breathing in through your nose. Breathing out through your nose. Now let your breath return to its normal rhythm. The goal of our mindfulness practice is simply to experience life as it unfolds in the present moment. My guest today is Cliff Mutavia, a lawyer turned media mogul. Cliff is a household name in the world of strategy and media, but his work transcends his titles and accolades. He has spent his time curating cultures in the workplace that allow people to thrive, creating an environment that accommodates creatives and non-creatives alike, while focusing on the ever-changing nature of organizational cultures. He's a husband, father, mentor, an all-round awesome person. The guy you must have as your friend. So, welcome to No Head Podcast, Cliff. <laughs> I'm really glad you could make it. Thanks for having me. Now, the first question I begin with when I have guests in this era of the pandemic is... How has COVID-19 treated you? What are the lessons you've been learning? Oh, 
gosh, lessons, COVID, pandemic. <laughs> I think they're all very new concepts for everyone. Oh gosh, uh, where do I begin? I think there's been lots of, from an emotional perspective, I've seen, I mean, there's been compassion. But I think I would look at it from my perspective. I'd say from a work perspective, I've seen different things. From my family perspective, I've seen different things. And maybe just to look at work, for example, I think because it's the thing I do almost every day, I've seen the compassion of my bosses and, and what really true leadership is, which is uh, we'll take care of our people, that kind of thing. That really surprised me given everything that was going on, especially if you have a business that's been hit all the way from March. And, and, and the first instinct for any company would be to sort of recoil right and and guard your profits and and here i think what i have seen and experienced is very interesting culture from from everyone we work with which was listen guys let's let's ensure that everyone can be able to sustain and eat and we make very interesting decisions and i think for me that has been unbelievable like mm -hmm. here is a company that truly believes in people people fast before profits people before profits from a family perspective i guess uh, the best thing has been staying at home and enjoying my daughter right you got your baby yes. during the covid season oh, yes i have a covid baby <laughs> right yeah, how so has that been that being been a father new father yeah, yeah. That, that has been amazing i think i was born to be a father <laughs> oh i love that no i really enjoyed that that has been amazing and i think there's been many other pluses learning that I actually really like my partner Joy. That, that has been also pretty cool. I mean, spending time together at home, that for me has been a plus. Um, working from home has been amazing. At least it showed me a lot of things. I think we've always wanted to, to, to I think the funny thing, we do align on some things. I just know that I, I don't want to keep living in the city for a long time. And I think... So that became because, clear. Yeah, because of COVID, this kind of crystallized that idea. And I was like, okay, cool. So this is something that I really and we really probably want to pursue. So that's work, that's family. Um, emotionally, I've learned a lot about myself as well, right? Especially, of course, because uh, a lot of things for me are intertwined. I remember, uh, and, and I keep talking to, and I've had several conversations with whether my partner or, or just people in general. I think one of the coolest concept I came across is the difference between your job and your work, right? Right. Yeah. And I think looking at my work, which is the broader picture, I think that is where I really grown in terms of really beginning to completely to or understand better what my role is. Because I'm a people person. Mm -hmm. For me, it's people first. I mean, looking at my personality as well, I'm a champion for people, mm. right? So everything I do is just about people, people first, etc. So a lot of things have become very clear. Emotionally deeper as well, the things that have really concerned me are growing levels of anxiety. I've never been an anxious person. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting how I dealt with that, especially when the going gets tough. You work longer hours because it's online now, everyone right. available. So I don't have in between in time. That has been interesting. On another person, did you figure did you figure out how to deal with that? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I like to think I'm pretty self-aware, right? Mm. So yeah, I I have been dealing with that, and it's I mean, it's nothing. I don't think there's anything extraordinarily new with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I just think it just accentuated or just elevated 
certain things that you were already doing or were feeling. It just right. brought them to the surface. Right. So you are aware of, you are very aware of this anxiety that this whole situation was bringing, this mm-hmm. whole COVID, Absolutely. this new way of working. But then because you're self-aware, you're able to deal with it. How were you able to, you know, at what point, how are you able to tell, this is my anxiety levels are really high. And how do you know what to do? Because I'm sure there are people out there who don't know and are struggling with, you know, this is just, I'm not hacking it. Yeah. Even just putting aside the self-awareness, I think I think I have made some really personal choices in terms of, how I listen to myself, what my influences are. And I think a lot of people around me who have interacted with me know I really do like peace, mm-hmm. very peaceful. So I guess based on that, then there are decisions that I have made, which are pretty, I think that's the harder part in terms mm-hmm. of staying calm. Maybe to just go back, I think where I learned how to, it's such a weird story. Mm-hmm. I think I, I keep telling it, especially when I lost my mom, I was in Dar es Salaam and I received a phone call from my dad. What shocked me was my reaction when my dad told me, mom is no more. I always thought that I would probably break down or I can't explain what that is. Mm. Was your mom sick or was it just sudden? It wasn't really sudden. I mean, she had a heart condition, etc. It was it was sudden because she had been cheated for it. Right. And she was living with it. It was actually really sudden. From an emotional perspective, how I compartmentalized that. And then I think that kind of triggered a lot of things in me moving forward. And I saw how me being calm, etc., sort of helped everyone around me. And I thought, this is pretty cool stuff. And actually, this brings everyone calm. And calm is a good thing. And of course, now that, of course, triggered a journey in terms of what does it take for me to be to be calm right. I, like, I like i like that and of course so what did you discover how what does it take for you to get to this calm place i i practice mindfulness yes. meditation yeah. and i know when i'm feeling a bit you know things are just over the board i just need to take time to breathe yeah. or just be quiet in a yeah. place how do you where do you get your calm what do you do what are the practices you have First of all, I think for me, it's it's the influences, especially the, that I've read about. I think one of my earliest authors that I read was my monk who sold this Ferrari. What's his name? Sh- Robin Sharma. Robin Sharma. Yeah, I mean, and then you go down a wormhole, you meet all these amazing influences. Dandapani, uh, Sadhguru, uh, Eka Tolle. And then you, you just, for me, was listening to what they actually do say and talk about in terms of being mindfulness. I mean, amongst many other authors, in terms of the traits which make you a certain type of way, the kind of emotion that you want. So for me, in terms of mindfulness, I've done everything from meditation, mm-hmm. purposely sitting quiet, trying to do that age-old thing of reigning in my mind, mm-hmm. learning that probably that's not what you need to do all the time, right. to meeting like a Tolle who talks about present moment awareness in terms of even raising your hand and looking at it and just being aware that you are alive, right? right? Stop your mind, just enjoy the now, to me trying to practice those on a daily basis and I found those things and breathing as well. I think mm-hmm. breathing is one of those things where, especially when I get anxious, is I I noticed I used to do that a lot, especially going to work. So I think for me, some things that happened were this present moment awareness in terms of thinking about the future and thinking about the past sort of distract you from really enjoying the present moment. Right. And that's what I really liked, right? Mm. In terms of why am I happy now? Why can't I enjoy what I really do have? And so that led me, so in the morning, I think I remember pre-COVID, 
I had a, a playlist for when I'm driving down to work mm -hmm. and then you meet Eckhart Tolle and I was like this sounds interesting. A route I'd driven to work many times before because of me just opening my window just breathing there and just deliberate breaths same stuff that I, I had not seen before mm -hmm. driving down the same road what I really enjoyed was that present moment awareness like now I began to see stuff mm. that I haven't passed that road hundreds of times but now all of a sudden I'm just like oh cool I, I hadn't noticed that tree mm. I hadn't noticed that house or that little thing that's going on there and mm. I think for me that practice almost on a daily basis mm. I think it's very hard but, but that really makes me happy and really centered mm. it reminds me that I'm alive and everything is okay so those small things amongst other things right yeah and, and and you talk about so talking about the death of your mother yeah and how you're able to bring calmness to your family because everyone was probably in this you know turbulent state receiving this news broken and you're in tanzania and you're in this calm place did you notice immediately the impact of your calmness or did your family notice that and how it changed their reaction I don't know about my family, but mm. I guess when I got home is when, for some reason, everyone just uh, sort of relaxed. Mm. I don't know whether maybe it's because I came home or, but I just felt like because I was very, very lucid, very, mm. very deliberate, uh, encouraging people, uh, encouraging everyone right. around me, compartmentalizing them. It doesn't mean that I didn't grieve, I really, I think I've been grieving ever since. Mm. But however, I noticed those things how much calm it brought to people, mm. um, how important it was for me to just be at peace and it really helped me as well. Therapy. Mm. For me, I, I found it very therapeutic in terms of, I was very deliberate in terms of how to deal with my emotion. Because right. death is inevitable. Um, it know. is, but the death of a parent as well is never, I don't, I don't know it, if it, one ever lets it go, isn't it? No. Yeah. Absolutely traumatic. Right, yeah, no, right. Because nothing prepares you for that uh, attachment. Yes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, yeah. And you've also talked about, um, so I wanted to really go back to the, you talked about the impact on, on work, on family and yeah. emotion and how that influences things. So I wanted to go back so to talk about family since we're talking about family and the fact that you talked about your, you feel like you're born to be a father. Tell me, yes, how does that, how does that happen? You know, is it a bonding or the mo moment it happened had you always wanted to be a father and i actually never really given it a lot of thought so i, I didn't have of course you, you like other people's children mm. um but i never really given thought in terms of having my own kid right how i'll react but then again i guess once the baby is there it triggers certain things in you right right but i didn't think i had in me as well mm -hmm. in terms of just really enjoying being a father mm -hmm. so i really can't tell mm -hmm. whether but i never really gave it a lot of thought or prepared in advance in terms of i'm, gonna, I'm really going to be a great dad mm -hmm. but for some reason in terms of how i get my own challenges i'm usually like okay let's just jump in there and see what happens so it wasn't when you first held the baby no, like not at all oh my this is what i want to do i mean that was that was interesting no mm. not at all mm. not at all by the way mm. i do know now that i really enjoy being a dad but i mm. never thought i would i would enjoy being a dad like i do I, it's not something that I, that was triggered me when i saw the baby or not but i just of course it's one of those things when you hold that person mm. it's like oh so cool I can I get to take care of somebody, my own flesh and blood, uh, yeah. So I'll who inspires be... you to be a father? 
<laughs> I know who doesn't inspire. <laughs> yes, that's also a good way of looking at it and why they don't inspire. Okay, I wouldn't say really not inspire, but I think again for everyone as a human being you tend to overcompensate mm. for for certain things. Uh, right. I had an amazing father who provided but was absent mm. in the military. Don't blame him or anything of the sort. Right. So but then it is, I, yeah. yes. So again, as a human, you tend to overcompensate and be like, I will always be there for my kids because I really didn't like that feeling. Mm. Uh, seeing other people's fathers coming for for your for their games, and your dad really doesn't has never shown up. Right. Or you're doing really this amazing things. There's no one there to validate you mm. or somebody close to you to actually tell you actually you really enjoyed this. So you have all these accomplishments that went unnoticed by the most important people right. in your life. Right. Then you're like, okay, cool. I'm actually not going to be that person. I'll try and do better. And I guess that's, yeah. that's how it comes I to I think me. that's how it works as well. Because yeah. we see and I think we, we don't realize how much the person that we are is determined by our family and Absolutely. where our background and how we're raised. And so we want to do better in other areas because we think this could have been better. This is what I saw in Absolutely. school and this Absolutely. could have been or things we didn't have and you think this is what I want my child to have. So it's pretty, pretty normal. So what sort of father do you want to be a present father? I can tell. Absolutely. Mm. A present father is one is one of them. But I don't know whether I'm still figuring it out as I go. Mm. Because in terms of do I have any beliefs in terms of a few. Mm. I would like my kid to be free to choose what they want. Mm. But I think my role as a father is to ensure that they have the necessary foundation to be able to make those choices. Right. 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 Um, right. Be balanced emotionally. Right, be secure, mm. so that it's easier for them to actually be able to to make the best choices for themselves. Right, right. So for right. me, it's to create that condition for them to thrive. So mm. for me, I think that is what my role would be now. I'm a first-time father, right. so I probably don't know, but it feels to me that probably that's what I would have wanted growing up, or right. I would have wanted for any of my kids. Let me give me all the necessary conditions to thrive, mm. empower me with those foundations, and then go prosper. I right. think for me that is what I see my role in the life of my baby is what right. it's going to be. Yeah. Well, you're definitely a good father. <laughs> if, if, you know, what you want to do is raise a child who can be able to thrive. And I've just been reading, I've just finished reading, the, uh, you know, Ariana Huffington's book on Thrive and what Thrive means and why it's so important for us as human beings to thrive and not just succeed. And so this leads me to this part of work because um, I think in her book she talks about, you know, money, power and success is what drives people. And is that really enough, you know? And so this, you know, she talks about the third metric, about other things that make you thrive, which is having this other person, this other you that's complete, you know, and how you take care of yourself. So when you talk about work, you talked about compassion and kindness and how this has really come out through COVID. I'm wondering for you, what does thriving at work mean or creating a condition, seeing that you're a strategist, creating a condition in which employees thrive and employers thrive? I think all, all, all parties need to thrive. Wow. Um, work is because we, we spend so much time at work. Right. So, so much time. I think for me, the, the, the first thing I had once talking to my partner was one day when we were talking about, and she was educating me on the difference between work and your job. 
right? Now for me, maybe you can educate uh, our listeners. <laughs> what, what's the difference between work and job? Absolutely, and I, and I think I would mix two concepts together. One of mm-hmm. them is the, the power of reframing, which mm-hmm. is basically looking at things from a different lens or turning it upside down and looking at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. Your work is is something is is what you're doing, Dorothy, for example, in terms of mindfulness. Right, mm. at your work in the world, in mm. terms of impacting people's mindsets, mm. or educating them, or enlightening them, that becomes your work in the world. My work in the world is I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I I love teaching. Mm. Um, I love seeing people thrive. Right, etc. And, and so many other things. Mm. My job is what I do uh, to put food on the table. Right. Right. Mm. Now those two concepts. It's important that those two will always be interlinked. Mm. Right. Because you, for me, I came to realize like, I can't do my job without doing my work. So they intertwine, that's one point. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to push the two of them together. Mm. And th- those make me a better person. So being sensitive to the fact that I have work in the world in terms of the first thing we look at even in our workplace is, and I do lead a, a certain number of people at the mm. workplace. For me, the first thing is culture, mm. right? Because you've got to, again, I really like this thing of always lay the foundations for how you want people to actually behave or act, right? right? So the first thing is this same things I'm talking about. Those are some of the things we really have at work. We have begun to lay a foundation where for the business to thrive, we know our people are the front, at the heart of everything that we do. And we just don't say that, like mm-hmm. we actually live it. In terms of how we're even set up, mm-hmm. whether it's bringing in, uh, especially during COVID accelerated a lot of things because mm. all of us are working from home. Right. What I found in terms of from a culture perspective, all those little things people talk about respect, etc, etc. For me is some of the programs we've put in place deliberately, mm. um, whether it's having our book club, whether it's having something called information sessions that has morphed into sort of some where people just come and share stuff they like outside work has been unbelievable. Having forums where we we actually have very high discussion as teams in terms of how we're treating each other, mm. creating those environments where people can actually have a be be hard, right? Express what they're feeling and then really deliberately build in teams. And then the, I think the coolest part is our open door policy and it comes from the top, right? Because mm. if, if you find a bad culture for me, one of the things I've noticed is the, the, the few shots from the head. Right, right. I think we would not be doing what we did at work if it wasn't for the leadership who are unbelievable human beings in terms of wanting to maintain their people wanting to truly 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 keep us around and keep us working even though times are hard even though we know the company is making losses accommodating that tweaking things so that we can actually be able to ensure that that really is encouraging because i know you work for a kenyan you're 100 percent kenyan 100% all Kenyan. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So a bunch of really cool directors who encourage a couple of things, a learning mindset, a growth mindset, mm-hmm. who we are continuously, I mean, they have been around for quite a while. The company has been around for 18 years. Mm-hmm. They haven't been here by accident. But we have one of the highest retention I know in terms of workforce around, right? People don't leave, mm-hmm. right? And if they leave, we wish them really well. Right. And that, for me, has been rare because I think I have done the journey in terms of working for sort of different firms. Mm. I've, I've done corporate. I've done a, a bigger agency. Mm. I work for a very a smaller agency, mm. which is pretty interesting because our work is so tangible and mm. it has real impact. But those conditions have actually been created by those guys, mm. right, which has trickled down. And then we have all these little amazing community 
of stuff that we actually do to keep us going. We can talk about hard things. And I think one of the things I have noticed, especially during COVID, is our mental health has come to the forefront as a company. Where wow, we that's are interesting. Because people don't talk about no, it. No, it's a real problem. As late as a few weeks back, us beginning to have discussions about how now we do address this mental issue because mm. what's happening this mental anxiety men we right. because the truth is even as a company we had a few people break down mm. right because the stress is too much the hours are long we people are anxious this we was before covid or during, during COVID. COVID. because it then expands it it exacerbates it actually. absolutely yeah it's been crazy trying to keep people calm, people mm. worried that we have had clients mm. who you're afraid if they leave then that means our livelihood. So anxiety levels go mm. up. All those things together. Mm. Our paychecks are coming late. Mm. Um, what does that mean for the next month? Am I doing well? Mm. Am I are we you guys gonna let us go? So all those things together make a, a very anxious workforce. Right. 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 Yeah. And, so and they're not all taking because you are self-aware, you are practicing mindfulness. How do you take this to a whole to, to everyone in the in your team? Yeah. Because they're not practicing like you are. No. How do you bring this mindfulness or this practice that helps them deal with their own mental health and their own anxiety? Yeah. How have you been able to do it? So in terms of infrastructure, one of the things we've done is as a company from a company level mm. where uh, our, our people champions, uh, HR, have basically, of course, ensured that we have all the necessary help from professionals, mm. people we can actually see and keep talking to and we've been encouraging people to do that. Mm. And that's on one level in terms of what we have done as an organization. When it comes to the leadership, mm. these are actually conversations we actually do have and have provided forums mm. for us to actually address these things. And that, that's why I talked about sessions that we have Every day at midday, mm. across the whole organization in different teams, we do have sessions for half an hour where we're actually talk, talking about things, uh, different things, mm. right? So for me as a leader, I would probably introduce them to authors, to mm. things that we're going through. We have one of my favorite sessions, which we just call Stinky Fish, mm. which is, it, it, I know it sounds like a, a weird mm. session, but what we do is we allow guys to speak their feelings, mm. to say, what are you feeling? What are you, and we do it in a very structured way where everyone feels hard. You repeat what you had the other person say. Talk about really hard topics in terms of what is this type of, I mean, what, what are you worried about? What are you anxious about? Oh, that is so, How yeah. are we relating to each other? How are we treating each other? And I think for me personally, I, I really do drive an agenda for culture. For me, it's so important because I have seen it. It's what has held us together even mm. during this pandemic. I never understood what kind of a nice, tight community we were, especially mm. now that it was stress-tested. We have not been perfect, but what I'm so happy about is the intention of how the intention that we've had and the fact that we've tried to hold everything together. Mm. But I think at the heart of that is a culture that we already had as an organization, which is we know it's people first mm. and everyone understands what we are. We really like each other. We look out for each other as a company because mm. we know what that means. Clients can come, clients can leave. But I think for me, that has been one of the things that has sort of held us together. Yeah. That's really interesting because I was going to ask, uh, ask you a question. Do people feel psychologically safe to be able to address the issue? So during your stinky fish business, are people, how do you ensure that people feel safe? And then secondly, knowing how Kenyans are, sometimes I feel that Kenyans can be very passive aggressive. They sort of don't tell you, but they'll just go, hmm. Yeah. 
put a do and then they'll not do anything. But how do you ensure that people are not passive aggressive, that they're being really honest and being open? And, you know, how have you navigated that within your organization? Yeah, so luckily, you within an organization, you have people at different levels of uh, evolution. Mm-hmm. Whether it's from a team perspective, you'll find some teams that have very different cultures who using the same program mm-hmm. who are in different levels. One thing we have found is, especially for the close team who, who work very closely together, mm-hmm. it's much easier to get them to talk about the issues that they're facing. And pre the pandemic, we had those teams who had a really amazing culture, who talked to each other, who were very open with each other. Mm-hmm. What I have what I have seen is the more consistently you keep that thing going, mm. the more people learn to open up. And because people are varied and people are dynamic, you okay. will find over time, then you all begin to learn each other. Whether it's us taking our personality test so that we understand what makes you tick. Mm. Why are you that person? To having hard conversation of, by the way, you didn't make me feel good when you did X, Y, Z. So slowly, what happens is because of those conversations, because you're enabling those conversations at a company level, enabling them mm-hmm. in an environment where, no, 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 there's no HR, no nothing, it's just us. Right. This is a rule book. This is how we're going to do this. Over time, I have found that it improved our relations extremely because now I know what makes this person tick. And it allows you to talk to your superiors as well. I mean, I've had guys who come to tell during those thinking sessions because they're sanitized in terms of nothing leaves there, it stays there. Mm-hmm. Things guys have told me about me and my leadership mm. that have hurt my feelings, and I'm like, really? But I get it mm. because that ticked you off. It meant something, mm. and I've found that has changed how we relate with each other. Mm. You'll be really shocked. Yeah. We are not very hierarchical, mm. but there's order. Right. So what I what you do as a, at a company wide level, there are teams that have evolved where you find those sessions are more evolved and the people understand what they are, you put mm-hmm. them as catalysts as change in other teams as well. Mm-hmm. And you begin to do the same practice. It takes time and you're absolutely right. Human mm-hmm. beings are very interesting. I've seen guys from the first session who are very different to the fifth session when they begin change. For me then, it's just to keep those conversations and those forums and those spaces for people to actually talk. You'll be shocked right. when people listen to each other what right. usually happens. Keep them consistent, keep them going. Right. The consistency sort of brings out a couple of things mm. and of course that for a lot of Kenyans will go will raise their eyebrow like this is really artificial yes. but you'll be shocked when people begin to open their hearts I mean uh, we have attended sessions where guys are breaking down mm. or where guys are really hurt you'll be I think sometimes you you can underestimate how powerful those forums and those sessions and the fact that people can mm. actually do that the impact it has on them in terms of them trying to understand each other right. why are you like this especially during the, this pandemic we implement that we've tried to implement them across teams mm. and to make sure that teams are actually having these sessions i had my first one with a new team that was formed and it was very interesting mm-hmm. because what happened is what we used was some guys who would already done the, who do this consistently in other teams who are in this new team mm. and so I, we had them start to show them what usually happens. It was so interesting as it went on. I think some of the things that broke my heart was listening to people and I, I think the other person said, actually guys, mentally I'm not doing okay. Mm. I'm not well. Right. This account sucks right. because of X, Y, Z. Mm. And you'd be shocked how that trickled down to everyone else in terms of, hey guys, I broke down mentally and all of you are judging me. Mm. I went away, I mean, the conversations, you'll be really shocked. And what that does to people so for me it's just the consistency keep it going and then yeah 
uh, get people talking and listening to each other. So um, you say we talked about Kenyans being passive, yeah. and um, your wife just said you are also passive at one point. <laughs> Is it true? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think this has been one of the biggest changes in my life, or in the in the past two years. I truly uh, was very passive in terms of. And it, and it began to affect um, uh, our marriage. Mm. And I realized, looking back, it actually affected a lot of things, a lot of relationships, and either missed opportunities or, or, or otherwise. When I began to see somebody in terms of just trying, somebody will help me just unpack why I was the way I was, because it, it just didn't seem favorable. And I don't think it was very healthy what for me. What made you decide, first of all, that you needed to see a, a, a professional to help my, you unpack it? My support system, uh, Joy, my partner. Yeah, uh, yeah she, sure. she, she noticed. Not notice we, we had issues in our marriage in terms mm. of communication right how do we move past these things what are what are what is holding back what is holding us back from moving to the next level what is holding us back what are the issues that we're having and we decided to see somebody um and when we saw that person i ended up doing separate sessions because i realized when we were doing our sessions yes we unpacked all these things but there were sessions that i needed for myself to figure right. out like what is making me not be the best that i can be in my marriage or mm. even communicate i think communication was the biggest issue right because right. i was very passive i don't want to feel was it fear of confronting the issue or it's just this is what i've known this is what i've known right um fear of confronting issues not really and it, but the issue is it was so uncomfortable confronting issues mm. like i felt like i don't know it just gave you so much fear anxiety mm. why do we have to talk about these things why do we have to do this was it out of fear like fear of if i confront this you will leave me or is it fear from i don't know what to say fear from i don't know what to say fear from it's also even i don't even know what call it because it, it was not just in my marriage a lot it's just everywhere mm. but i'm just a nice guy mm. i'm just like no i don't want i don't do confrontation you do your thing and right, go, right right and so and the fact that you're not arguing with somebody not really arguing or responding or giving a response sometimes leaves is even worse right than you talking Right. Because you've left it there, somebody doesn't know what exactly you're thinking or what you want to do. Exactly, and this is the Kenyan malady um, where I feel like even in corporations, in a, you know, when you talk, people go, but Kenyans are just passive-aggressive. So very, what you're talking about is yeah. almost like a national malady that this is something that we have never known how to deal with. Is oh. it because of we were colonized by the Brits and we don't know how to do it, we don't talk, we just sort of say things are okay because it's not just like you you've you've sort of come up now you're, yeah. and you're confronting it but like this is maybe something that we all need to find out why is it that we don't want to confront issues why is it that we are afraid yeah. why do we want to just be nice or to be seen as nice for things to seem like they're working but then we'll do this passive aggressive thing where like I'm not really happy. You know what? I, I think we all need to peel that layer. And as right. much as I, I, I got help, mm. we can all go back and, and, and just see where the genesis of this is, whether it's how, whether it's colonialism, mm. or whether that transcended into how corporates are structured and led mm. to passivity because people don't want to speak up, or right. is it a, a societal thing in terms of how the family structure uh, mm. is, is structured within uh, Kenya? Uh, the patriarchy does it suppress people from speaking up or you have to be passive and be nice so mm -hmm. i think these are things we really need, need to con uh, 
to confront but right. i confronted those on a personal level right so from your lessons yeah. of confronting tell us how do you, you know unpack <laughs> for us how you go because i think that there's a lot of lessons for someone else who's thinking i want to do this i want to unpack this i want to to do better yeah. for my partner for my children for for everyone for my boss for my yeah. team members i want to do better yeah Wow. Your journey. Yeah, that's been interesting. I don't know, it's, it's so funny because nowadays uh, my partner Georgia says, you guys, you created a monster. <laughs> because I I did not know the freedom that being, not being passive gives you in terms of letting things go and just taking them. And I did not know how people appreciate honesty and truth. Mm -hmm. That you're being very straight and you're speaking and shooting straight. That is something I did not have in my DNA. Mm. How has that impacted my life and work? That is where I've seen the, the biggest uh, results because people really appreciate me being honest with them and mm. telling it as it is from my perspective, right? And not beating around the bush. What I've noticed is HR really does like to have me in a lot of sessions nowadays. Because they, they, they can know, count on you. Yeah, they can count on me. But I've noticed that it's also very infectious because it allows people to really speak on a a very personal level and a very truthful level and for me then especially the, the passive aggressiveness is you're not being true you're not telling people what's up you're not telling them by the way we can't do this let me tell you i think for me it is the relief with which half the time because it's it's very anti-kenyan to do right people are selling you but they thanks Cliff, for being very honest with me actually that really helps at least mm. i know i don't have to keep chasing you to do xyz right. or thanks cliff that was really honest now at least i know what to change so right. for me the I do not know where I was the way I was. It was never going to help me move to the next level. Mm. In my relationship, I think I find it much easier to speak and confront issues. Mm. If she's upset, it's easier for me to just go and say, hey, what up? Mm. What's, what's disturbing? Can we probably finish this issue? Mm. I'm all perfect, right? Mm. But it's something that has, uh, that has awakened in me. And I was like, I really love being honest. Mm. And I really love telling people, in terms of, of course, there are many other things we can talk about technique in terms of delivery. Right, tech, but yes, exactly. Up, in terms of just, don't be passive, mm. right? If it's a yes, it's a yes. If it's a no, it's a no. But tell me right. And I think, for me, that, that is where my biggest growth has come from. Mm. As a person, as an individual, I feel like I unlocked another level of growth mm. in terms of now people know that, talk to Cliff, he will not lie to you. Right. He'll tell you the truth, he'll be straight, at least you know where you stand. Right. So right. I didn't know how therapeutic or how helpful that is to people. Mm. But people love to hear that stuff. Mm. What people it's don't painful like, sometimes. It's, absolutely, don't absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've had actually the funny thing is I've had really hard conversations, say for example at the workplace in terms of hey, excuse me, by the way, somebody's saying you're corrupt. Are you mm. corrupt? Mm. Like I, I never thought I would confront such issues. Or even confronting my bosses mm. in terms of I think they look at me nowadays like I'm the radical because I'm like guys why are we sweeping this issue mm. call it as it is yeah you did X you did X why can't I think they have also come to appreciate that kind of in mm. terms of at least we know this guy won't keep quiet because I really confront issue right. I'm like what's the real issue let's call it one two three things I think because of that I've seen it also seep across and also enable other people to be like oh cool right. so we can actually speak and I'll be listened to or something like right, that. So right. I don't know why I never unlock that level, but I guess uh, 
time uh, growth etc there's always a, a season for everything right but what you say and i think that's it which is also important is having a professional work with you because you cannot see yourself completely there are those ages you can't see that someone else can see so your your wife was able to see it and say i think we need someone to help us you, you know as a man first yes. of all you know in this african culture where people do not believe in either seeing a professional a psychotherapist therapist whatever you call them because men are self-sufficient how do we tell this to men to other men so that they're able to to say it's okay i'm you know to look in the mirror and say this is one area i need to work on and to take the courage because it takes a whole lot of courage to do what you did i think for me is i'm no expert on other men <clears throat> but i know what has worked for me you've got to confront issues the truth is mm. men are not self-sufficient and no human beings mm. um sometimes we live within our own heads right you've been conditioned by your environment the people around you might not be helpful in terms of unlocking what is wrong with you or telling you what is wrong with you because you have a personality or you have relationships that might not be very right. helpful in that mm. you need to get out of your head mm-hmm. you need to get somebody else who can actually be able to be a different voice mm-hmm. who you talk to who regurgitates stuff to you in, or reframes things for you to be able to understand where you're coming from. Like, if I hadn't met this person who told me, Ashley, let's stop there. In terms of all these things that you're telling me, let's mm. just go back. Mm. Your dad or your mom, mm. let's confront these issues. Mm. But, but I, I'm confident knowing that generations are changing. But as a man, just go. That whole, you know, let me just say, one of the things that I also found is sometimes we we die giving meaning to things that have no meaning whatsoever right. the meaning you attach to things in terms of the weight or i've gone to a counselor etc those things are things that are going to bring you down stop attaching meaning to things that mean absolutely nothing me talking to somebody means that i get to hear a different voice or somebody else right, mm-hmm. right? so for me the meaning you attach to things stop doing that mm-hmm. get help you're not self sufficient you're not a, you're not right. a superman the level of emotion especially me being a man that you have to work through is incredible right because mm-hmm. you're macho the society has really truly conditioned you for me then mm-hmm. you've got to find help that removes you from that condition and environment mm-hmm. that helps you seat right as a friend of mine says and have an aerial view or just an an, an outside mm-hmm. looking in into yourself mm-hmm. right somebody helps you construct that and see where you are within an environment you need to reframe some of these things and some of these dogmas or some of these stigmas that go along with that like mm-hmm. they, they will not be helpful then the challenge would be or the question I'd pose is do you want to be better or do you want to feel better or do you want mm-hmm. do you want to grow right get help you'll never walk alone mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i really like that because it seems like you're already practicing radical candor. You have, you know, this idea of just not sweeping it under the carpet, but just saying it as it is and calling out people. And if one person in the team is able to have this moment of radical candor and just say, hey, this is what happened, it almost makes everyone else go, actually, I can now be vulnerable and tell you about this. And, and therefore, what you end up having is this effect where everyone is bringing their whole self to work and people are not afraid of being vulnerable and that leads to this culture that you're talking about which seems very cohesive absolutely you know in yeah. these times 
And so we've come to the end of the year. You know, if you look at when it started, we don't believe how time has flown and we are at the end of it. So what has surprised you most? In terms of work or? Everything. everything. Just, you know, dealing with COVID. And yeah, what, maybe what has surprised you most about work? What has surprised you most about yourself, who you are um, and how you respond? What has surprised you most about family? Well, <laughs> interesting. Um, I'd begin with myself. I think okay. the most surprising thing that I have found is how much I was spending on gym fees. And yet now I am the most disciplined I've ever been. Yes, it's incredible. Yes, it's incredible that mm-hmm. I have this amazing discipline. I wake up every day, work out, and I've noticed changes in me that I didn't need. That I, I'm like all those years in the gym. How come they never happen? So that has been really surprising. What do you attribute that to? Is it that you're more disciplined right now? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I'm pretty. Right. I'm pretty consistent, but also. And so you're not going back to the gym. I don't know. And if I do pay for it, probably I'm going back for the sauna. Okay. Or the swimming. Right, not for the workout. Not really, because I have found trainers online. Right. I think that's probably. Oh, by the way, YouTube has the yes. best. Right. No, that's, that's where I am usually. Yes. I found some of yes. my, my kindred spirits. I'm like, I really like what this guy is doing. He's mm. doing, and I get to shape every day. I've done yoga. And every, right. I mean, I've done uh, heat. I have done. Uh, workout like it's amazing in terms mm. of what that has done for me in my life in terms mm. of i really don't have to stress anymore about working out I'm, mm. and my workouts are shorter and more in, it, it's been amazing that has been really good in terms of family surprise i think family has been really amazing i i'm not really surprised in terms of i, I think it's a kenyan thing or a community thing just who we are in terms mm. of just rallying together checking on each other that really hasn't changed for family mm. so i've not found that surprising at all mm. I, I think it's been pretty consistent in mm. my life or mm. in a lot of people's lives you haven't wanted to kill your wife because apparently that's what <laughs> during these covid times people have just said it's been just so hard because i could go to the office and have time off and then you meet in the evening and talk about your days and now you're just at home the whole time together okay maybe that's a surprise because I, and i wouldn't call it such a surprise because i think the surprise for me is how how much I actually liked um, my partner's uh, company. So mm. maybe you can put it that way. But otherwise, right. in terms of just generally, um, that hasn't been. That hasn't. There's been no surprises there. So that's okay. work. That's funny. Family. Yeah. Right. Personally as well. It was yourself. Yeah. yeah. Your yourself, family, and work. 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 Yeah. I think work is what I mentioned in mm. terms of. I I have been surprised. I wouldn't say surprised. I think for me. I have been, I think my thinking has shifted about what really, you know, sometimes you go and find mantras or you hear companies really talking about, oh, we are people led, etc, mm. etc. I think for me, this has been tangible. At least I can say that I know what that feels like, mm. right? So for me, that's the biggest thing I've actually taken out of it. Yeah, that has been pretty amazing. The humaneness of people as well, mm. people's kindness, how people have rallied. I can sit here for sure and say that I can also see, and, and for me it's also tangible again, what a great culture that really puts people first in an organization and not just saying it, that a company that was really willing or has been willing to actually, not that we're out of the woods yet, mm. but because of how we've been sitting together, the leadership has just been like, mm. we don't really don't want to let guys go. 
right? Yeah, let's that's us, really important. Yeah, let's ask yeah. you what, what's the size of our cake. Mm. It has shrunk a little bit. So everyone, this is the piece you're going to take. Yeah. But we're sharing and this is what we're doing. I think for me, that's amazing. That's something I will take with me. Like really, truly, truly. A company that actually means that. Mm. And so uh, I think for me, during this pandemic, mm. of course, it's unprecedented uh, in our time. But yeah. Now that you mention that, I mean... I like, and, and this is something probably we can talk about in details. I find that sometimes when our companies have extended us this hand of grace of understanding and compassion, that sometimes we don't necessarily translate that to the other people who work for us at home or, you know, whoever who works for us. But how can we be very intentional? Because I, I, I think that sometimes we are, I've talked to a few people like, yeah, I have to let go of this person who works for me at home, but it's like, if you let them go, what are they going to do? How are they going to fend for their families as well? How do you ensure that, I don't know if even it's something one can ensure, but how do we extend this compassion to other people who we come in touch with or who work for us at home? I think you have to be deliberate about a lot of things. You have to be very intentional. I like to use the, the word in, intentional because mm. it's a choice you make. Right, and then again, it goes into what your what your belief system is, right, or your mindset. For me, and I see this, and I speak with my partner Joy a lot. And mm. one of the things we talk about is we will always have more than enough, and that means that we have more than enough to share. And I think it's a mindset thing where mm. we never lacked. Right. And for me, it's it's something. For I think she would tell me from the first time I met her, I was just like, we will always have more than enough. It's always been my mindset. Right. Uh, I have always said, listen, I'll never ask for a promotion. I'll never ask for an increment. I'll never ask for a bonus. But for me, because of that, I've never, I was like, I'll never have a scarcity mentality. Mm -hmm. I'll have more than enough to even share. So for me, there's a set of beliefs for me and my family in terms of how we look at that, that allows us to share what we have and to also be cognizant of the fact that there's always more than enough for everyone to share. Like that scarcity mentality for me feels like one of those things a lot of people think especially during a pandemic like this, that you have to hold on to. Right. 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 And for me, I've always believed that there's more than enough for everyone mm. and that I will never lack. And so for me, my mindset has always been, and it's my mantra, mm. that we will always, I will always have more than enough. Mm. We will always more than, have more than enough. And because of that, then we're able to take care of people. For right. me, I, for me yeah. that sharing thing is unbelievable mm. because it's also grounded on some mm. principles, right? Biblical, however you want to call it, give right. and it shall come. Truly, truly. Yes. I, I know people say this uh, and it feels nice, like mm-hmm. a nice mantra, but to truly live it is another different issue because right. give, it shall come back. It shall come truly, back. Truly, yes. truly. Full measure. I, I do not Pressed even down, do, running absolutely. over. Absolutely. Right. And I'll give you a story. I think even during this pandemic, there I am, the company is like, let's take a pick at. We're like, absolutely, let's keep everyone. But what happens? Because you want to help and you want to give. What happens? I have made more money during this pandemic than my previous Before, years. Right. Consistently uh, getting the different consultancy gigs and stuff in a pandemic. Mm. Right? I do not think that's an accident. Mm. I think that speaks to the fact that mm. we always have or have always believed help, just give. Mm. It will. And for sure. And, and for me, it didn't take a pandemic for me to learn that. That's always been what I've believed. There's enough for everyone. Just mm. share. I've never been a guy to... Hold, I think that is so. I don't know. It it, it just goes to the things that I really diametrically mm. opposed to what I believe. Like I I cannot stand people who mm. don't share mm. uh, because that's me. 
I think you share there's enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. They'll always have there. I mean they'll always be this world is too big. There's mm-hmm. too many things. Just share. Right. Right? Right. And when you do that and have that I think for me it's a mindset as well. You'll mm-hmm. always have more than enough. Uh means that if your people are not able to come to your house because of a pandemic keep paying them. Yes. Keep sustaining them. Right. Right? Because it is your it's decision right. now. So that's part of my work. Right. 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 Yeah. I believe in that and yeah. I really believe that if you have that growth mindset then you always have enough you never lack for some reason um you never really lack yeah. as we come to the end of the year i think most people have just been you know if you sort of are on social media 2022 let's do 2020 let's not talk about 2020 it was a terrible year i think that them things we have been taught about life that we have learned about life in 2020 and so i was wondering you know the lessons you've learned that is we go to 2021 that we will take over because i also think that people think that 2021 is going to be different and i think that no if there things 2020 has taught us that will help us navigate life in 2021 um would you share what some of those have been for you you know i really like reframing yes. uh, things i i know the narrative around 2020 is 2020 needs to end. Mm. Right. 2020 20 has been XYZ people dying life at and tender. I think one of the things and this comes let me just take it back. One of my favorite authors, uh, my earliest uh, influences says Sir Francis is reveal who somebody truly is. Ralph yes. Waldo Emerson. Yes. Right. 2020 has really revealed a lot for a lot of people mm. because it's a pressure test isn't it yes right mm. how i look at it is this way. 2020 has actually made people go through things that they would, would have gone through their whole lifetime all in one year yes <laughs> right yes i mean it has brought out either the best in us or the worst in us mm. or it has brought out things that was simmering or brilliance etc right. so the truth is you can't just look at it from one angle there's been the people who benefited mm. i mean i know a guy who for 2020 was the best thing ever this guy just used to sell hand sanitizers just legit doing absolutely little uh, yes stuff packing in industrial area in one month made more money in his whole lifetime than right because of the demand as mm. well so 2020 has been different for everyone and i think for me if you look at 2020 and reframe it is what has it brought out either the best and worst in me in terms mm-hmm. of uh, if i've stood this pressure test and that's more than enough in terms of what some people go through in a whole lifetime mm-hmm. so for me looking at 2020 i'll be like 2020 has been an amazing year mm-hmm. for growth for me or just generally what has it brought in? lots of lessons. Mm. I've learned a lot of things, especially from a work perspective. Now I can work anywhere in the world. Right. Right. I can spend more time with my family. Before mm. it was an excuse. Mm. And it is something I have to start off my kind just leave and come back in the evening. Right. I probably don't want to do that anymore. Right. So 2020 right. for me has opened up a whole world of possibilities. And that's right. why for me I would reframe it that way and just say what I see moving into 2021 is mm. a whole complete way of thinking. when it's in in my workplace and the right. things that I think about right even in terms of careers like i have seen so much opportunity open up 2020 i think for for me at work for my family and on a personal level has or will open up a whole different way of thinking the things i had planned for i'm going to have to reset mm. right my priorities and look at things very differently so for me 
2020 has been and i don't mean this for especially people who don't see it that way this is just from my perspective i think it's been an amazing year in terms of whether it's emotions whether it's grief mm-hmm. prosperity or lack thereof mm-hmm. desperation etc for me i'm a half full glass kind of person so mm-hmm. i tend to see things those that way just pick even when there's grief or whatever just pick anything that i can hold on to and i think 2020 has been one of those years that has taught me quite a lot lots of stuff to take forward into 2021 i like that and yeah. that's a wonderful way of ending the podcast yeah. a whole world of possibilities yeah. a new way of thinking yeah. may we be present may we be open to this whole world of possibilities thank you so much thank you thank you <laughs> it has been fun thanks thank you cool well that's all today in no head where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together thanks for listening join me again next tuesday for our last episode of 2020 and please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode also do share the link in your circles you can follow me on instagram no head podcast That wraps up what I have for you today. Catch you next time, my friend. May you learn to be deliberate in your choices. May you choose the growth mindset. There's enough for all of us. And may you be open to new ways of thinking and being. Bye-bye.